most media in South Africa is shit. And I think that there's a role for a better, cooler media brand in, in South Africa. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by NiceWork, a branding and service design company. One of the things we do best is asking our clients the right questions. This podcast came about because we wanted to share some of the best answers that we've heard over the last 12 years. We talked to significant creators, experts, and communicators who we've encountered, and we share the useful insights, inspirations, and facts that made us stop and take notes as we go about our work. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today I talk to Uno Duval, owner and publisher of Between 10 and 5, South Africa's largest online showcase of creativity. He's won many awards from people like the British Council, Destiny Man, and GQ. And if that's not enough, he's the father to Nua and runs a pop-up restaurant with his partner, Nian. We chat about brands and their interest in the creative class, how brands can effectively use niche publishers, and how brands can build credibility with an audience and ultimately have influence over their culture. Enjoy. So I want you at this point, a picture that you've been given this like phenomenal intro, like super professional, the audience is now ready. Yeah. Um, so, so welcome. Thank you for coming on. One more question. Ross, thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this day for a very long time. Can you give the audience an exact figure of how long you've been looking forward to it? 475 days. Okay, that is yeah. quite a long time. Yeah. I know you've been doing this podcasting game for a long time. Yes. Uh, so I've been waiting for my opportunity. We even you know? threatened to start a podcast I know. together. It was just point. so that I could spend more time with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so before I hit the record button, you were talking a little bit about some of the trends you're seeing in, in kind of brands and how brands are taking themselves out into the South African markets. Um, do you want to chat a little bit around kind of global brands doing these collabs um, yeah. and, and what you're seeing happening there? Yeah. So um, I think maybe just to like backpedal a little bit on that and I think why we have the context um, for this. Um, you know, 10 or 5 kind of showcases, I think the, what we try and be is the pulse of the South African creative community. That's what we, what we want to be, what we want to be seen as. If you come to Tenafire.com, you can see this never-ending stream of great creative work coming out of South Africa. So it's a little bit of a curated, Behance, Instagram kind of feed of the creative work. Um, Good way to smash your brand and all of those yeah. other brands together into one yeah, place yeah, together. Yeah, we're totally a like Instagram, but better. Like Instagram, but combined with Behance. Yeah, and then a little bit of uh, cool sprinkles all over the top. Yeah, that's a great. Would you way. call yourself the Uber of creativity? Not just yet. Not no, just no, no, yet. No, no, not not yet. Maybe <laughs> the maybe the whatever. We do have a platform that I say is the. Uh, yellow Pages meets Behance. Okay. So, so there's a little bit of maybe I don't want to be likened likened to the Yellow Pages <laughs> at the moment, but but um, but so anyway, so so we get to see a lot of work that comes through. Some of it great, some of it bad, um, but we want you to kind of come to Ten or Five, and you can browse through the archive of um, of the site and be able to see what has been going on in the creative community of South Africa. Um, so that puts us kind of in this unique position where we can see. A lot of we see a lot of advertising work. We see film-related stuff. We see lookbooks from young new fashion designers. Um, we see illustration work, um, passion projects from filmmakers. We see a lot of um, stuff that that gets put out. It's not just advertising. Um, and I, what we've been noticing in the in maybe in the past year or so is this kind of uh, collaborations are have been going on since forever and I think that there's a, a lot more interesting collabs happening at the moment um, and also international brands doing collaborations with local people uh, with local partners and local brands so um, and, and often enough I think this was like the first year for H&M to do their first South African edition Mini uh, launched their first um, South African special edition um, I think that you know Miller has done has done a special edition um, Jack collab with with the, with Richard Nisi. So there's a lot of really interesting things with like big brands, big international brands doing hyper local stuff, which I think is pretty pretty cool. Um, and also like having worked on big global brands in the past, 
I know how the, the brand Bible gets kind of filtered through and apply this color, please, to this palette and, uh, and use it in these ads. And I think that um, we're definitely seeing more local collaborations, which I think is exciting. Um, and also, hopefully that stimulates more local brands to look sideways to their counterparts and do uh, Instead of just going international with, yeah. when you get the budget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so what do you think? I mean, so obviously there's all these collaborations and, and some of them are going well and some of them are going badly. What do you think the, the kind of DNA of a good collaboration looks like and what is the DNA of a bad brand? So I think it kind of boils down to authenticity at the end of the day, right? So I uh, remember last year, Colin Kaepernick and Nike had that ad that came out. Um, if you, I think the ad said, if you um, was willing to stand for something and to risk everything. Um, I, I, I paraphrasing that's like the general gist of it big billboard in, in time in uh, central new york um huge fallout about how can nike support uh this guy who is basically anti-american and then there was a huge positive sentiment as well where people saying no like this is amazing nike is doing this thing it's great it's fantastic um and then pepsi came out like two weeks later with a kendall jenner ad or the protest um thing and it made sense for nike to do that to do what to like take a political stance and take a, a stand for um, for for um, one of the the rights of one of the um, athletes um, and when when Pepsi did not only did they miss the mark entirely but people were like you have no leg to stand you have no equity in having said like you've never supported anyone like, yeah. why should we believe you now and I think that's absolutely the case with um, collaborations as well or tapping into if you. Like, I think what's, what's happening now is like a lot of brands are kind of tapping into the creative class creators, like using creators and influencers is massively popular at the moment. So you'll see people doing special editions and so on. Um, if you haven't been playing in that space in the past, however many long, or it's, it doesn't make sense for your audience, like why the hell are you doing that? Like I saw um, Handy Andy did an Instagram, an Insta walk with a number of creatives in the past, like this two a month or two ago, it's like, why is this? Who are you trying to speak to here? Like, why? Why are you trying well, to tap into? Well, creatives clean. Like, creatives they have do. apartments, they do, and they like, need to yeah. clean their stove tops. Absolutely a... fair enough. <laughs> but 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 I don't think that it makes sense for them to have done something like like that. It just it, it just makes no sense for me. Um, so yeah, so I think um, you have to have authenticity in this field that you're operating in, and it's not something that you can just do overnight, um, that you have, you have to kind of build that equity in order to do something like that. Yeah, and I suppose you're talking about it from uh, like people who are looking at the creative industry, but I think that, that yeah. thought applies in wherever. So yeah. if you're looking to break into Motorsport. engineering or yeah. sports or any of that kind of thing, you yeah. do need to build a little bit of a, yeah. uh, a, a back. Yeah. You know, a backlog of, of interest in the space yeah. and not just jumping in to, yeah. to do it. So I think what also, and this kind of leads into some of the experiential stuff that we were talking about too, like a lot of brands will then try and do their own thing. So they so there are two ways that brands typically produce experiences or, um, or marketing is they either rent the space or rent the credibility in the space and the audience from like a festival like Opikopi. So um, a brand like Ray-Ban, will rent a booth and an activation space at Opikopi. They know they get 20,000 people and then they do a cool, cool thing there. Or you get a brand like Vans, which has, they did the House of Vans about two, three weeks ago, yeah. or this running now, it's about a month ago. And that, like, it was their own event. They had no other partners in that, no other explicit partners. It was their own owned event. And I think that it's a great show of how valuable the brand is and how valuable the audience, the brand gets what they are about it spoke to exactly the right audience exactly the right kind of content it was a great yeah a great thing i think um, it's also they've been building up so so they've been sponsoring skaters exactly. and paying for videos and being around yeah. for surfers and exactly. sponsoring streets yeah events and like lots of these little pieces and that that experience was just all of those components that they've yeah. been individually investing in Brought together, brought together in a single yeah. a single experience. Yeah. But if they were to do a motorsport thing now, people would probably not rock up for that because it's so far removed from what they what they're doing. And I think that's relevant for any kind of brand. And I think you start off by renting the platform from someone else and building credibility and maybe investing in a few programs and 
and and things and then you have the leg to stand on that you can do your own thing um and do you think the same thing just looping back to kind of collaborations do you think it's the same thing do you think you can yeah. just go and grab a trevor sturman and you know give him some money and get your logo out there and buy that that kind of equity or do you think you, you need to do it for you can and i i you obviously can do that it just does it, i just think that it means you're throwing money away because it's going to be one or two posts uh, it celebrates the creative more than it does your brand at the end of the day you're giving them more more value than you are getting from it at the end of the day um and there's way more interesting things that you can do from that rather than just like paying for a couple of posts um, which is what you're going to get at the end of the day because you don't have any of that equity. So, so what are some of the really good collaborations that you've seen kind of come out of the space? Shit, now you put me on the spot. I don't have my notes here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to think about that. I don't, um, I don't think I can recall off the top of my head. Um, even though I put together the presentation just shy of a week ago. Um, so in and out of my, of my memory. Okay. Yeah. So they're that memorable. They're that memorable. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that there are so many other things flying, <laughs> flying through my mind okay. uh, at the moment. Yeah. That will drag them out. And and I mean, how would you, you know, like this this idea of people being interested in the creative class, like how would you take a brand or how would you advise a brand that's outside of the space that doesn't have a, a super mm. easy fit? to move in you know so there's lots yeah. of banks and telecom companies and even more uh, i suppose obscure is yeah. cleaning products yeah trying to get into the space how do you yeah. like what do you think those people should be thinking about before they go out there and sponsor an artist to do a limited yeah. edition yeah. bottle because that's the that's the output at the moment right yeah. it's like let's get a wrapper let's get a wrapper for this for this thing yeah um i think tastic did a thing with david Clarley. Like it's cool, okay. <laughs> it's, I suppose it makes sense. Um, the um, I think the first thing is to just watch and just just observe for a while and just see what is going on and see who the people are that are busy driving the agenda um, and figuring out who it is that you want to collaborate with and who it is that speaks the most to your brand and what it is that you can do with them. Also figuring out what is your role and your space inside the creative community and the creative class. I think what a lot of brands do is they they work with a creator or an influencer purely because of their reach. So, ah, this person has a huge following, therefore I should work with them. It's actually you just want to work with them because they have a big following and you want to pay them for the reach into that audience, uh, not because of the necessarily the work that they can output from that. Um, so I think that there's just watching a little bit and, and speaking to the right people who can help you figure out what their role in the, um, in the mix, in the, in the kind of like the paint jar of creativity would be. Um, and just figuring out like there's a lot of things that, that a brand can do. There's a lot that is more than just wrapping a bottle in something. Mm. Um, and especially I think something that gives back into the community w is more valuable than just a once-off um, kind of thing. I love what you're saying because I think, you know, we work with a lot of brands and and coming down to the purpose of that brand yeah. is so important. And I think aligning the purpose of the brand and finding yeah. the right partners mm. where there's that like direct synergy can yeah. have huge value. And, you know, coming back to something you said earlier is that like authenticity so that it's yeah. not, if you're not a, like not a dynamic young brand, finding yeah. the most dynamic young yeah. influencer isn't going to suddenly bridge that gap between no. the brand promise you've been building for years and exactly. the market that you're suddenly yeah. trying to, to yeah. talk to. Yeah, exactly. I think so many brands just kind of like, okay, cool. Influencers are hot at the moment. Um, the creative class is rad. Let's do, let's find two illustrators that can do a pack for us, or we're going to do a profile on this person, but that doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't build anything. It certainly generates no equity. Um, I think it's just a little bit flat at the end of the day. Well, I think that's an interesting point to segue into this idea of, you know, we were discussing um, creative talks, you know, and we, mm. we've been running Creative Mornings now. In September, it'll be um, six years that we've been doing it. Yeah. Um, and you were saying that you've you've been to a lot of events that 
are not great and are actually doing yeah. a bit of a disservice. Yeah. And and I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about yeah. how you you feel around that and, and think, brands playing in that space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's a there's a bit of a glut of talks at the moment. Um, and and I think a gl- there's a glut of a certain amount of content um, content play of content formats. Um, I think a two and a half minute video of a creative like speaking to the camera with a bunch of b-roll that's all there's a glut of that as well and mm. um, we've been doing that since certainly for uh for a while because it's are a great a little bit responsible we are a little glut. bit responsible for that too <laughs> uh, but then likewise we do some other cool stuff as well you know yeah. so and, and i think that it's the same with with events and conferences and stuff they they are easy to follow a certain formula um, they're also easy to get the same people on a stage so often. Like so often you see the same people. And I suppose that is the, the, the talk circuit that's one that the speakers do. Um, but I just find like the, I think that I'm just lacking something with them. I, and I feel like we don't have enough of the bigger talks, um, the bigger format events that are super exciting and really like push the, push the needle forward. Um, they're all kind of like, a smattering of these smaller little collections of people that come together um, and they don't really grow and build into something bigger that you walk away feeling like wow that was like, incredible I can't wait for the next one it all just feels like oh cool I went to that okay off I go back to work um, and I and I think that there's a place for that um, I just feel that there's a lot of them at the moment and do you think there's space for something on a like south by south west level? Yeah, here definitely. In, in SA? Definitely, yeah. I think Designer Darba has definitely done a bit of work in terms of reinvigorating um, their format. I think Ravi's done a great job. He's he's identified the festivalization of conferences as a, that's a that's a technical term, by the way. Festivalization. Yes, yeah. There's a great uh, website called Skift, which is all about like the conference economy. Um, I think they Rafat Ali coined it, or it's it's big on that on that site, um, and how these kind of gatherings of people, it's more about creating a festival environment than it is about the content delivery or the kind of format of of, of the the festival. Um, so so even things like 100% design, um, design and Alba, Luris, um, all those conferences slash events how can one make it bigger and better um so that it becomes a bit more of an experience than just sitting in a seat listening to someone um or sitting in a seat watching other people get awards um we want to build in more than that and it's not just the that moment of sitting on stage listening to people yeah. and and you know so so i suppose you've seen a lot of these brands trying to experiences and and build into this space yeah like what are the things you know that that you think a brand should be cognizant of if they were start you know wanting to create the the house of vans or yeah. you know what are the what are the elements you think they should be thinking about when they, they go into this so i think yeah it all goes back to that like authenticity right if do you have the authenticity to speak about this the subject matter um do you have the ability to pull an audience in naturally and organically using your own channels um i think when we that's what's really exciting for me about i think where we are with 10 and 5 is that we can we can host events using just our own channels and we can get people there we can run programs and we get submissions from people using just our own channels it's not we don't have to go to other partners and media channels and get people or get excitement um around it. it's a pretty pretty cool thing to to have um so i think if you can host something on your own steam, then I think it makes it's kind of like a it'll it's a naturally filtering process almost. You know, if you do host an event, you put a ton of money behind it, and you have to like invite a whole bunch of free people to come. Is it necessarily a good event? Are the people just there for the free booze at the end of the day, or are they really there to engage with your with your product and your brand? Um, Although, I mean, saying that there are still some, I mean, uh, people still talk about the Lucky Strike parties, totally. however many years ago totally. that yeah. was. I mean, they, they did those things. Yes. I mean, can you even buy Lucky Strike anymore? I'm not sure still if it's still on about the market, it, eh? yeah. but, but they, they kind of did those events. Yeah, but I think they were in a specific time where it made sense for them to do that. It made, like, I do think that they had, you know, they went big with, with an, an artist, uh, like you could see... Cypress Hill, whoever yeah. it was, like, and you never knew who it was going to be, you just knew it was going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, 
I think that they kind of built an equity, some equity around that. And I think that's what kind of like kept going. Yeah, there's a whole generation of us, like people remember who like, the grew up on the Lucky Strike. Whoever came up with that um, concept was damn brilliant at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the person I interviewed just before this is a man named Dean Carlson from a company called Brain Farm. And mm. they, they're bringing um, uh, Ryan, what's his name? This is going to sound terrible. Don't they do the video production? Uh, so no, they, they were the, the 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 thought, or he was the thoughts behind the Discovery Leadership Conference, oh, wow. um, and then BCX Disrupts. Okay. Um, but he's now doing a thing called the Sound City Sessions with Ryan Holiday. Okay. And it is interesting to see how they've rethought about an experience. Yeah. And how the experience is ninety percent of of. Mm. what is going into the event they they do yeah, need that you. big name to kind of carry it but mm. it is it's very important you know and, and the thoughts into the detail around yeah. how tickets are distributed totally, yeah. how are you marketing it who yeah. you're marketing it to where you where you're mm. putting these messages out and what happens in the downtime between talk a and talk b or, or programming a and programming b what happens in that in that interim space um so that kind of alludes to what we were speaking about um as well around like culture brokers and who is the culture broker of current society and I, I we're chatting about like how you know I grew up in an era of no logo and um, as much as we say like yeah lucky strike the brand that brought the parties um, it was also an era of hey brand don't tap into my culture unless you're really doing something authentic and cool I think that's lucky strike got understood who they needed to bring to the yes. to the and that's why they, they got it um, but like, there was a, there was an era where people didn't wear branded T-shirts, or they didn't want to have any huge association with brands. You 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 kind of you did your culture thing, and brands happened to tap into it, or they co-opted it and bastardized it and spat it out to the masses. Um, and at least that kind of core core group of culture creators um, were very anti-brand um, or didn't necessarily want to sell out their product or their whatever it is that they were doing and I and I get the sense that at the moment that's flipped a little bit on its head where brands are almost bringing culture to the mainstream more than they were um, in the in you know 20 years ago 15 years ago um, and it's now kind of almost accepted for brands to be telling me what's cool um, Adidas tells me who to listen to uh, what kind of obviously what I should wear but like how I should wear it and what does it say about me when I wear this thing. Um, and people are accepting of that. They're like, yeah, cool, I, I, get, I get behind that. Um, and particularly also the who we would traditionally understand as the creators of culture, so like if it's organizers of, of programs or projects or festival organizers or event organizers, um, writers, they're kind of like okay with that, which wasn't the case before. So I think that there's an interesting thing happening um, at the moment with brand's position in society and how they present in culture to people. So, so do you think there's, you know, you know, South Africa is quite, uh, it kind of feels a little bit like it's in flames when you go look on, on social media and there's a lot of yeah. kind of tension happening. There's a lot of xenophobic attacks. There's a yep. lot of kind of, kind of outcry against violence to women, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with that same thinking, you know, replacing the word culture um, yeah, you know, do, do you think that brands should be bold enough to step into these yeah. kind of highly politicized, highly emotional uh, spaces? Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? So on the one hand, you have brands that want to be more representative and more uh, more woke in a way. So you'll see um, them working with models with albinism. Um, so Audi did the Q3 ad with Tando Hopa, uh, for Q, the, one of the ads with, with Tando Hopa, um, kind of the mystify, or kind of celebrating um, people with albinism. Um, you have brands that feature um, queer people in all their, um, all their ads, uh, super representative around people of color and um, all that. And then they somehow don't want to touch onto like, uh, gender violence or xenophobia that's like a no-go area for them and maybe it is just because it's quite like it's flared up really heavily now mm. in, in this past month um, but I kind of think like imagine if Black Label 
took a stand against male abuse. Like imagine what that would what that would mean. Like imagine if black labels started telling their their consumers like, hey, it's not okay to get pissed and beat your wife. Like that's not okay. That's not who we want to drink black label. In fact, we'll do we'll put in some programs that help you to understand why that's not okay and why you shouldn't be doing that. I think almost that brands could do more for uh, society than government probably could at the moment. They have better reach. And what's that example of Coca-Cola that distributes malaria um, uh, medicine across the world in the Coke uh, in the Coke can, in the Coke crates? Because they've, oh, better, they've got a bigger reach than bigger any, distribution any NGO or any yeah. government or anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I think that's maybe also part of what like flip no logo a bit on its head is this like brands can have a purpose and can do something for good and do have a better chance of impacting society if shareholders and the consumers would kind of fight for it. Well, I mean, I, so, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is here locally, um, you know, and, and obviously if you are going to move into that space, I think your, your relevance needs to mm. be even, even yeah. more on point. Cause if you yeah. try and step in, if people feel like you're trying to, make a quick buck out of it or turn it into a marketing opportunity yeah. it'll be it'll Slaughtered. be literal suicide of yeah. your brand it, yeah. you know overnight yeah um but like, I, what is lion lager that tried to rebrand themselves yes. ages ago yeah, yeah like a, like a, 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 a the, the the worst case scenario <laughs> of a brand manager played out in yeah. real life yeah with one of the strongest brands yeah. in in our country's history yeah, yeah. but uh where, where i was going with that is um, you know, there's obviously PETA and there's all these organizations mm. that have been fighting for animals' rights for years and years yeah. and years. And and I would argue that a, a company like Impossible, yeah. the, the meats company, yeah. by partnering with Burger King yes. and launching the Impossible Whopper yeah. has done more for animals yes. than PETA and every one of their organizations exactly. has ever done and will ever do in the history of their I thing. I absolutely agree with that. Because yeah. they are mainstreaming yeah. veganism yeah. or vegetarianism yeah. in a format that's palatable to the masses. Yeah, yeah. I think that like, most people don't want to be challenged and be presented with, with um, a kind of like a horrible choice that they have to make. Like if you present me like you're killing the puppies um, if you eat this, or you're killing the rainforest if you eat this burger. That's like a heavy choice to make. And like you shut off. People shut down from mm. that mes messaging. But here's like a great alternative. Um, tastes pretty much the same. Um, I think, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think that there's a, I, <laughs> they have done a much better job than any kind of organization like that. I, I, I think that's then where, again, can brands play a role in, society um, that can help South Africa progress and hopefully the world move a little bit forward um, mm. as well. Gillette tried to do that with their, um, with their change in an ad um, uh, in their kind of messaging a while back. Um, I don't think it worked that well because it was just too big a jump. Um, there was, again, positive and negative things on both sides. I know you're obviously not a fan of a razor, so you would probably just skip that message entirely. Yeah, I, yeah. I can't have interacted with many razor ads mm. in the last 13 years or so. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, and, I, and yeah, it was just like, it was an interesting thing for them to kind of go down that path, um, obviously because they need to be more relevant and woke. Um, and I think it was like, well, why are you guys speaking about this now? It's mm. obviously you're doing this now because it is popular to do that now. Uh, and people saw through it quite a bit. Um, because they didn't have any equity in saying that. Yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, for me, it, it all comes back to that purpose of the brand. Like, what is yeah. the purpose of the brand? What is the impact they're trying to make? So mm -hmm. Nike can step into that space and and, yeah. and do it yeah. well. And then I think kudos to them that they didn't back out yeah. when the heat got hot. Yeah. They fielded a ton of yeah. negative press in large yeah. large areas and they didn't backtrack out of it yeah, exactly. kind of quickly because I think they were, were I mean, whoever the brand manager on that was probably quite bold yeah. because they were like, we know this is going to happen and yeah. we're going to do it anyway, yeah. but we believe in the long term. Yeah. We're stepping out into a space yeah. where potentially the government should be. 
yeah. or somebody like that. And, yeah. and maybe it is that thing that brands are allowed to influence culture. They're allowed to influence mm. society. They're allowed to influence these sort of things. So on the Peter thing, the Walmart, I was listening to a podcast on um, how Walmart is taking guns and ammo off their shelves. They have done more for, by doing that, they will probably do more for gun control than the government will ever do because they're listening to the consumers. So the consumers, the people in the in the town in the, the cities are saying like, we don't want you to sell guns in the Walmart. We don't want it to be that accessible. Mm. And they are, they said something like more people visit a Walmart than visit a federal um, a building. Federal building. So if you make it illegal to carry a, a gun in Walmart, like if you just say sorry, you're not allowed to carry a gun in Walmart, they'll have a bigger impact on society than. The government saying you're not allowed to have a gun in, in one of our in one of our buildings, and then also Walmart saying our consumers told us they don't want to be able to buy handguns and ammo in our shops, so we're not stocking it anymore. That's probably going to do more for society than it is than a government mandated um, um, piece of legislation. Um, so it's interesting for like uh, that's kind of brands playing in culture and doing like making an impact. It's an interesting, interesting space. I think interesting thing that's happening. I suppose it, it makes it scarier for anyone who's managing and running a brand because yeah. your the stakes are yeah. are higher. But I suppose the 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 positive side of things is is if you get it right, it actually can yeah. have a huge positive impact on yeah. on the brand and the business and the bottom line. Yeah. Did we do a thing on on that kind of Copernic um, statement that said it's just kind of flatlined? It didn't really push the needle that much positively or negatively maybe just like a slight bump up but not like not like people weren't shouting off the window like shouting from the from the window saying like oh this did really well uh it had an uh, initial pick up but over the like a year it's actually just that flat much. yeah just didn't really do anything yeah maybe which is people, interesting as well we just don't care yeah yeah well, I mean, maybe people, um, you know, we had Mike Stopforth on, on the episode before this and he was talking about kind of having exited a social media agency, mm. what the number one mistake of brands is on social media and it's playing to the loudest voices. Because mm. at the end of the day, there's, the majority is actually quite marginal, like quite, yeah. quite average yeah. and spend is, is yeah. delivered in a very even, yeah. considered way. Yeah, um, we've seen that with with social stuff too. Like sometimes a conversation flares up on Twitter. I fucking hate Twitter. Like it's the worst place in the world. It's like second to hell to go to. Um, and I think like uh, we've seen it. Like I mean, I have a family member who is a troll on Twitter. She's like she's horrible on Twitter. Uh, and I see her get into fights every now and again. I'm like, why on earth are you doing that? But I also know like. You leave it for a day and it's gone. Mm. People have found either the next thing to be outraged about or um, you've just kind of been swept under the rug and the hype machine has moved and spat you out and you're fine now. You kind of respond a little bit and then off you go. Um, but there's no need to like make a statement or like change like massive policies because one person like flipped out about something. Um, you could just kind of keep on contain the the spread of the virus, contain the troll, and just move on. Um, yeah. So time, time again. So so one of the ways you know we think brands can can affect people is through these kind of events or experiences. Um, you know, and and I think uh, you know before we started recording, you were talking about this idea of of digital spend, you know, there's been this increasingly mm. growing spend in digital and a lot of brands are moving their spend away from kind of traditional above the line media and churning more and more into yeah. the, the digital space. Um, but it seems like a majority of the spend in South Africa is going to either Facebook yeah, the, or Google. The duopoly, yeah. The duopoly. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's how, how it is. Huh? So, so yeah, so as a, you know, a digital media company, um, we make money off, uh, or traditionally, one would make money off advertising. Um, in South Africa, the numbers are so that Google and Facebook take 90% of all digital ad spend. Um, I was sitting next to a guy on the airplane today. He does water filtration systems. Um, and started chatting a bit, and uh, he was impressed by my 
quick Excel and uh, typing skills. Uh, I was like, yeah, well, you know, years of spending, years of typing, typing up things that will do that to you. But anyway, he he says like they've just moved like eighty percent of their budget into digital. I'm like, yes, and you're probably going to spend that on Google and Facebook, right? Like, yes, yeah, you're not yeah. spending any of that on publishers. So even so, still even if you take a growing market share, a growing um, spend on Google uh, on digital. Facebook and Google take 80% of that. Nasbergs takes the next 5%, if not more. Then other publishing houses all compete for the next 5%. So it's horrendous. It is like there's no money in digital media. That's why when people start a blog, they say, I'm going to make money off advertising. No, you're not. Um, then even if you were to run AdWords, on uh, on your site, or you were to get money from pre-roll ads on YouTube or um, on Facebook Watch or whatever, you'd be getting cents on the rand that is being spent from the the advertiser. Mm. Um, it just the, like the economics just don't make sense. So how would you you know so so you're a niche publisher and you know you've kind of talked a lot about the creative class and it's because mm. you exist in this you're like a niche publisher yeah. in this creative world. Yeah. Um, it, you know, if I was a brand and I wanted to engage with you or any other niche publisher in the in that kind of industry, what do you? What are the things that me as a brand manager should be thinking about? Because obviously, ninety percent of the spend is happening because people are like, we need to go digital, yeah. and you go, what's digital? Oh, digital is Google and Facebook, so that's mm-hmm. where all the money goes. So, yeah. how would you? kind of advise a brand manager to be thinking about using a publisher like yourself mm. to get the most effective return yeah. um, out of it. So uh, the the thing about a publisher is that we've built up equity with our audience to be able to say certain stuff. So when we speak about something, we come from a place of authority. Um, we have some uh, background in being able to say something like that. We have the ability to pull an audience. We have an audience that listens to us. Um, and I think that there's some value in that. If we host an event, they rock up. Um, and um, if we, you know, we, this past month, for August, we ran a series of auctions um, on Instagram. And we got people to physically buy art. Like they spent money with us, actually. Um, I think that's quite an exciting value proposition. Uh, and it's something that's quite but cool. So it's like you can we actually engage with an audience, we get them to open their wallets and spend money with us. Um, um, and I think that there's so many publishers have a, or, or niche players or like small organizations have a deeper relationship with their audience than is, that is just that is more than just read my content. Um, there's a lot of other things that we can do. And I think publishers have a lot of ideas and things that they want to do with their audience which they can only do if they have the backing of a brand. Um, and a brand can help co-create that with the publisher and create new kind of culture and new equity with an audience. Um, so I would say the first thing to do if you are a brand and you want to tap into the creative class is first to just listen a little bit, just like watch and see what's happening out there. Chat to some experts and get a good sense of the pulse of what is happening out there. You can probably look at what are your competitors doing? What have they done? Um, what is your audience also interested in? Who else is playing in that market? Um, who else, when you think about an influencer or a creator that you want to do something with, maybe ask what are the five other things that they have done with other brands in the past? Um, and then ask the publisher, like, what is it that you want to do? Like, what do you want to do with your audience that you think will be really valuable um, for them? Um, and I think then you'll, you'll start getting to some really cool stuff. Um, and lots of different publishers have really interesting programs and projects that they are running that um, or want to run that um, could be amazing for a brand to get behind and build real equity and value. I mean, I like that thought that it's it's almost asking the asking the publisher or the influencer or even the agency you're about to mm. work with, like, what is it that that really excites you where you think yeah. you can add that real, real value? Because yeah. You know, we talked about how much of the stuff just dissolves into noise yeah. in the background. And I think if you're giving your partners this the space to deliver on the ideas that they've 
yeah. been germinating after spending large volumes of time in that space and thinking yeah. about it a lot and seeing a lot and yeah. responding to a lot. You, you as a brand potentially have mm. an opportunity to stand on a platform that nobody else has yeah. has stood on before. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know what we try and do as a publisher. Um, we've got a lot of our own projects that we run, and we don't take any money from brands for that. We just feel it's important to do. Um, so our Young South Africa series, our Creative Women series, um, our Fresh Meat series, all things that we feel are important to do regardless of if a brand's going to publish it anyway. And it costs us a lot of money at times. Um, then there's stuff that is things that we want to do, co-create with a brand. So that's like we've got our ambitions, the brand has their ambitions, there's the ambitions of the audience or the kind of the, the needs of the audience. And where does that vector diagram kind of intersect? And what is that thing that we can help mm. deliver on then? Um, so I think that's really exciting. And that's where real great partnerships are developed. And then there's the kind of more agency services side where it's, okay, brand, you've got an idea. We can help you deliver that great to that audience. And then you don't really use the equity. You just use the understanding of, of the agency or the publisher that you're, that you're working with. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the A3E project that you've been doing and how the brands have... It's have... one of my most exciting things. Basically, <laughs> what I, basically what I live for at the moment. Okay. I think A3E is the culmination of 11 years of publishing uh, and 11 years of doing what we have been doing. So um, A3E stands for the Artist Acceleration and Exposure Program. Um, I want a nice little catchy title, uh, which is A3E now. Um, so essentially what we do is we take the artists, um, we, we take a selection of artists and we expose them to the opportunities that get presented to us as an organization. And we try and build those careers and profiles of the artists that we have shortlisted to accelerate their careers from where they were going to be in five years. And let's see if we can do that in two or three. So we've, we have a, Tenor 5 has a history and a, and a pedigree of finding and unearthing young creative talent. We, like, if you rattle off... Also, also showcasing them so showcasing they can them. grow. So most of the people that you would see in Mail and Guardian Top 200, um, any kind of list somewhere, you would see them, uh, you would probably look at them, if you find the first article that was written about them, it's probably on Tenor 5. Um, and we see that often enough as well. So we have an article from 2017 on the um, uh, it's the lady who's part of Miss South Africa at the moment. Like she pops up on our search feed again. And then it's like, oh, we featured her two years ago. Yeah. And she was like a young <coughs> student illustrator. Um, you know, we, we've worked with a lot of these people from a really, really early stage in their career. And we realized that we didn't actually kind of hang our hat on anyone. or We didn't say like, let's throw our weight behind you. Um, so, and that's kind of where A3E came about. We, we want to find a selection of people who we can help develop their careers further and really put our efforts and focus on, on these. We still do all the other creatives as well, but whenever we have an opportunity that comes to us, we use these artists first. So Mini came to us at the start of the year and said that they want some artwork on their walls. Um, on their, on their dealerships, because many has a relationship with art. Um, they know that their audience is quite passionate about it. They must have been investing in that space for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. There's, they, have, they have equity in there, but they have no way of understanding what art to look for and what to put on their walls. So then she said, well, can you just go and find some artworks and then I'll, I'll put it out to a community and get some people to put some art on the walls. So, yeah, great. You're probably going to get a penis on your wall if you do that. If no one, <laughs> if no one looks at... Ask the internet and yeah, you shall ask receive. The internet, you get dick pics, <laughs> uh, you get bad work. It's like universe, it's universal, right? Yeah. Um, so we, well, I went through a bit of a process with them to, to educate them on what does it take to put art on a wall and... and you can't just put anything up and you also can't just put anything next to each other. They speak to each other and they speak to the space that they're in. So we developed the A3E program with an output to produce the exhibitions at mini dealerships. Um, so we now have three, we've done three um, exhibitions with mini. So if you go to Santon, Midrand and Cape Town, Auto Atlantic, we have our artworks in the dealerships there and we're rotating them on an ongoing basis. So it's kind of like an art rental um, program, if you think about it. Um, we also 
busy working with some other institutions to do exhibitions at their spaces, and then they get the artworks there for, for a bit. Um, we have a residency program um, that we're going to put the artists through next year. Um, and then also, uh, one of the most exciting things is we're working with a outdoor billboard company to put artworks onto billboards in the times that it changes um, from one bank to the next you'll see some art in that in that space so immediately it helps put the artists who were kind of young and emerging and not really being known by people to put them in a massive massive space where people can suddenly recognize them and see their artworks and hopefully get bought and um, we're going to do a series of auctions as well so we running a uh, our Instagram auctions now run monthly. Um, so we're also going to start selling their work through our platforms um, as well. So trying to build a market for them as well. So yeah, it's, it's whenever I speak about A3E, it's like the first thing that kind of pops into my mind. Or whenever I speak about 10 or 5, that's like the, the thing that I'm the most excited about at mm. the moment. Um, when brands come to us as well, we say, cool, if you want to work with any, uh, any creatives, you first have to look at these people if they don't fit your profile, then we'll go do a scouting and casting um, effort for you. But these are the first people that we that we try and work with. So you almost you've created something that that you're investing time and energy and equity in, and then yeah. you're giving the brands the opportunity to find a space that they can play in yeah. that. Yeah. So so you would customize the A3E or an element of A3E depending on the brand that, yeah. that came to engage with you. Yeah. So we actually have two models that we um, working with brands there. So the one is white labeling A3 entirely for its own, for the brand. We've got two brands that are doing that now. Um, so one is looking for illustration work in their stores and we'll do, we'll, we're doing a scouting um, process for specifically for illustrators um, for them. Uh, so we'll see some public artworks in the, in the, in the stores and the retail environments. Um, and then the second one is um, also kind of a very similar model around finding young emerging talent, but this talent, the, the talent for this brand is even younger than A3E. Um, and then there's a bit more kind of work in terms of producing some merchandise and exhibition opportunities for those artists. Um, so that's the white label version. And then the second model is where we have a specific program that a, a brand will sponsor. So they will sponsor, say, the, um, the residency program and they get they sponsor that. Or they might sponsor a workshop or a, a specific artwork that they might fund or whatever it might be. So, so I like, I mean, I, I like that there's this, uh, almost this underlying, there's a bigger story at play here. And I think that's what comes back to, to some of the most yeah. compelling things is that when people hear a story or feel like they're part of a story, then it, it, yeah. it all feels like it's, it's worth it. And, and I think that loops all the way back around to brands delivering on culture. That's, yeah that they can affect the success of an artist. They can yeah. bring an image out into the world. They can yeah. associate themselves and their products with a movement or a thought or a something that's bigger than, than yeah. the product itself. Yeah. Um, and I think consumers will, will stick you know that's that's it's, it's a sticky story, yeah. Um, yeah. Which which will lead to hopefully spend, so they can come back and spend more money on the A three E program. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think like what we were saying earlier about like the digital media spend, um, we realize that there's no money in in digital media, and I think that's why we would have happily have just kind of eked it out in digital media and gotten revenue um, from that. But one, it's not exciting, um, and two. There's just not enough money in that market to, to kind of go um, to go down. So that's why we develop these other programs that really tap into culture. Otherwise, we would have probably taken the money from the ad spend and used it for these programs anyway. Um, but now it's kind of a core part of our revenue model. Um, and all the content around them and the studio visits and all that, all kind of content-driven um, stuff um, for the programs. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, we, we try and do more and I know a lot of other publishers too, they try and do more than just the standard like fan ads on the website or advertorials. Um, way more exciting. So, I mean, we're, we're out of time. Um, and mm. to, to end it off, I, I always like to throw people on the spot. Um, which brand do you think has an opportunity in South Africa to step into the space in a meaningful way and, and have some kind of impact? So... Definitely Black Label. 
Um, and so there's, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do two, I think. One is, um, is Black Label because they have the, probably the biggest market of men in South Africa that they reach. They're, they're probably the brand that reaches the most men in South Africa. And I think that men need to grapple with their role in society um, and the understanding of how they fit into, how we fit into society. Um, and Black Label is probably perfectly positioned to affect change. Like thinking about our conversation earlier that we had yeah. about affecting change, I think that they, it's going to be a hard job, but they, it's something that they do need to do. And then I would say from a media perspective, um, I think that there's some interesting things around media brands that are, that, so, so Vice would be the other one that I think that can play a bigger role in South Africa, purely because I, like, it's a brand that we're sort of working with um, a bit at the moment. And I think that they can play a bigger role in society in South Africa, also because I think most media in South Africa is shit. Um, and I think that there's a role for a better, cooler media brand in South Africa. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And hopefully if you are the brand manager of um, Black Label, you can reach out to Una and he will sort out all of your problems. Everything. Everything. Um, thank you very much, Una. Um, that, was, that was really good and really insightful. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. And we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from useful insights to stay relevant in the world of creativity, brand innovation, technology, and interacting in this new world, please share this podcast with them. On top of that, we welcome feedback, good or bad. So if you've got some, please reach out to us. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a branding and service design company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you would like to chat about the challenges you're facing, reach out to at www.nicework.co.za. We release an episode every week, so please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're really old school, hit us up and we'll make you a mixtape.